cannot play God, then wash your hands of the things that you've created. Sooner or later, the day comes when you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore. Welcome to another week of Beers, Beats and Battlestar Galactica where we, Malia and Lisa, revisit Battlestar Galactica as a rookie and an expert. So this week we cover episode one of season one titled 33. Um, we're going to start with a plot breakdown and then we go well, beat by beat breakdown and then we're going to go into asides and themes. So what did you think of this episode first off? Um... So a couple of things. So firstly, when I um, started watching it, um, I was really confused. I had no idea what was going on, um, which I think is what it's meant to be. I love Even having watched the miniseries. Even having yep. watched the miniseries, I was like, okay, cool. So we're right in. Like, obviously a lot's happened since we where we left off, but I'm not really sure. Um, I loved the beginning. I don't know if... I don't know if this was like how it was, but this is how my copy is, um, how they had like all of the fast snippets of the yeah. episode at the very start yeah. I thought that was really cool yeah. um yeah it was a good episode um but yeah straight in like head yeah. first <laughs> and with the like flash forward at the end of the um opening titles and sequences I actually yeah I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I find the opening the opening credits super glum and super like draining but then it's almost like you get the payoff at the end of like this week we would have this 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 yeah, so pretty good. much. It yeah. was, yeah, the, the music, like, I know the music in the episodes, they work really well. And I know the music is a really big part mm. of Battlestar Galactica, um, you know, from friends who are fans of the show. Uh, but for me, like, the opening theme, especially coming from, like, I love shows with, like, great opening theme music. The theme music is just so bad. It's, like, yeah. very glum and, like, it's very boring. Serious. And, yeah, very yeah. serious. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a really good contrast. Yeah, it was like they were gunning for that United Nations um, summit from, like, the first episode. They were like, this is a serious show <laughs> with robots. <laughs> Listen to our song. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yes, very exciting. Flash forward. Got a glimpse of all of the action. Um, and that action was pretty much spread across the, the Battlestar Galactica, um, the Colonial One, which is the president's um, ship, and a couple of glimpses into what Cylon-occupied op- Caprica looks like, so mm. the world they left behind. Um, I think we should talk through what happened on the Battlestar Galactica first, because that was kind of the bulk of the episode. So we open on Apollo and Starbuck protecting the fleet. The Cylons are continuing to follow them. So after the reprieve we had at the end of the miniseries, where we thought, you know, they've like had that time at the Anchorage, they got away. There was all that like radiation stuff with the um, the Cylons. Too bad. Apparently, they've been following them every thirty-three minutes for the past five days, and I, I reckon that's just a great. Pre- like precedent that they set that ep- this episode up with because it says from the get-go everyone's exhausted everyone's like hunted and we we really see the crew grappling with how to do their jobs being extremely sleep deprived um and and also like how for some of the characters like for apollo and adama how to actually lead others when you are just on the border of like exhaustion and I thought that that was like a really good setup from the get-go, like having the clocks marked where they have the little sticker that has the 33 and then moving it around from the get-go is like an effective way to show that the stakes are really high and that they only have these tiny pockets to have a nap or get some food or set up, you know, the next jump. And it sets up the time frame for the episode as well. What did you think of that? Yeah, it took me a while to work out exactly what was going on with all the clocks. Um, And I watched the episode a couple of times. So, like, it was good Mm. to watch it the first time and sort of, you know, um, be a bit confused and then go back and watch it, understanding what was going on. Um, I actually then, like, I had to look up, like, how long it actually is that you can go without sleep. Yeah. I was kind of, like, dubious that people could still be alive. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's, um, oh, I wish I'd written it down. It's, I think it's, like, eight days you can go without sleep. Whoa. Um, or, or something like that. Um, are, are we getting a fact check right now? Awesome. Our producer Tom is fact checking that for us. 
264 hours. 264 hours. Okay. 11 days. Okay, cool. So and I they, forgot that. I think they say that they're on like about 130 hours. Yeah, yeah. 130.5, yeah. um, five days. And so, but I was really surprised about that. Yeah. Um, and especially because it didn't really seem like the people, like the main people in the cabin were getting sleep except for the 10 minutes that, um, yeah. Uh, the 10 minute power nap and, yeah 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 absolutely yeah <laughs> 10 minute power nap oh well if he's forgotten it's his turn then you know it's probably his turn um yeah so I was um yeah it was a good start yeah I um I read that the cast apparently studied sleep deprivation like people who um mm. were participating in like a study on sleep deprivation to understand how it would affect you physically and I think that shows in like those main the people in the um on the Galactica kind of in the main um what would you call it cockpit like where they you know my jargon is not there but you know where they where all the action happens um and Duala, who is the um the kind of comms mm. um girl who we see quite a bit of in this episode i think her arc even though she's a minor character really helps to demonstrate the um psychological effect of sleep deprivation but also um the physical effect of just having to be on your feet and paying attention and concentrating on something that obviously requires a high degree of mental energy um, for 130 hours. So Yeah, I mean, as someone who didn't know what was going on in the beginning, I could tell very easily that they were all sleep deprived and that's what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they didn't really like, you know, say exactly what it was from the from the very start so yeah. but it was very obvious that everybody was very fatigued plus you know some people have like beards going mm. and it's kind of everyone looks a little patchy um except for apparently boomer who seems to be going pretty well because it's, she's a cylon because as, she's a cylon and she has no as starbucks uh, said yes. um, which i just thought was really cheeky yes i want to come back to this <laughs> and talk about boomer's kind of arc mm. over this episode because we don't have that many scenes with her but first thing that we have with boomer has her having to engage with her new co-pilot who's replaced Hilo, and she's pretty unfriendly to him um and obviously it's not just a lack of sleep because we know now that she is a cylon so doesn't really affect her um and she kind of reproaches this new co-pilot i don't think i got his name some guy um she snaps at him kind of gossiping about um cylons being in human form um we can talk a bit more about a later scene with her and starbuck that i thought was interesting i think you did as well but do you think like the way that she reacted to that she snapped at him made her seem more like a cylon like that she suspects anything or that she was just being mean oh i think it just sounded like she was tired and mean which is um i mean Fair enough. I mean, she doesn't know that she's a Cylon, so... Well, we think that she doesn't know. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I'm the the newbie No, because, like, I'm watching it back and I'm, like, looking... You know, when you know Mm. what you're looking for, I'm like... It almost has given me a different experience of the suspense because the few scenes we have with Boomer in this episode, like, this scene made me feel like she was really, like putting out that fire and not wanting to talk about it could just be sleep deprivation. Mm. But then in the later part of the episode, and we can come to that in a minute, like she talks about, um, you know, she kind of laughs and jokes about the same thing when Starbuck raises it. So Mm. yeah, maybe it was. It's probably like for me, from my perspective as a newbie, it looked more like, and obviously we all know she's a Cylon, but like it looked more (laughs) to me like she just had more of a rapport with Starbuck and that they could have a laugh and a joke. And this other new guy, um, you know, is taking over from Hilo and and she's upset about it and she's she's tired which I mean that's another interesting thing in itself like is she though like yeah can you be tired tired? does it just stimulate tiredness yeah or the feeling of tiredness yeah Yeah, because I mean if she's a sleeper and doesn't know that she's a Cylon Mm. then like maybe there's some kind of thing going on but it's a very interesting concept like does number six ever sleep like we don't really actually know the physiology of them at the moment so um, yeah, that's a really good point. And I would, I would expand on that by being like, is Boomer the Boomer that we have on um, Galactica, or the original Boomer, let's say? Does she have more human characteristics and 
act more human in her interpretation of events because she has been around humans like her whole life inverted commas as opposed to just as asking if they're alive who's just like are you alive and are then you, just makes out real? with them yeah which i just think is a very like i'd love to talk it's about just like that she hasn't too. been socialized properly it's like this is a normal way to approach people but then she has because it, it's kind of indicated in the miniseries that she's been living hmm. in um caprica for a couple of years with gaius so she has been i mean he's not really is he really human? But you know, <laughs> he's she, not a normal person. He's not at a least. normal person. We can, person. We we can, can agree. That. But I mean, I think it's really funny that um, that she kind of has this completely contrasting way of interacting. Like, oh, mm. I'm a friend. Are mm-hmm. you alive? Let's mm-hmm. make out a little bit. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I feel like Boomer, or at least this version of Boomer, is the way that she is potentially if we wanted to go down like the psychological interpretation kind of of her that you know maybe it's all learned behavior because it's been normalized to her like maybe she doesn't even feel that tired when she's like supposed to go to sleep she's always going to sleep when everyone else does so it'd become like normal and then you become like feeling tired because it's a habitual thing it's like being around drunk people when you're sober yeah like to a point it's been like being around tipsy people when you're sober and vibing <laughs> off of them. Then when they're drunk, you're like, oh, God, get me out Too of far. Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wish I was a Cylon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, we also see the fleet. So I would say the bigger theme of, or, you know, plot throughout this is that both Galactica and Colonial One are trying to take stock of their population and, and move forward, even though they're in this time of crisis, they're obviously you know, fleeing the Cylons, they're trying to pull together some systems. And I really like the scene that we saw of um, where Juella is trying to find out if her family or if there's any survivors. And the guy's kind of like, nah, you can't submit a photo yet. Like, we're just too, like, busy. But you can go put it on that wall. And it's kind of trite. But, like, I liked the idea that, like, even though they're in limbo in so many ways. Like they're trying to find just a solar system they can stay in without being hunted. They're trying to work out exactly how many people are living. They're trying to work out how to, you know, function on this lack of sleep. Um, this is like a post-war civilization. And I thought it was really interesting how they just started to build those little moments of what that could look like up. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me of the board at the end of Dollhouse when they're all trying to remember who they are. Mm. Um, and then I was looking for like, I was like, oh, there must be trivia here. Like I was trying to look at <laughs> their faces. Like, is there someone there from what I know? But I didn't see anybody. But um, and maybe somebody else knows something about that. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it was a really, um, you know, sad moment. And um, and it was really bringing that human element back mm. into it, um, what had happened. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, you know, we see Roslyn, um, the president, really struggling with these this new processes. And not that she's not capable. We see that she's highly capable and can be very composed. And we saw that in the miniseries. But um, she's really grappling with losing people and losing her fleet at every jump. So, you know, it's the conversations that she has with her aide, Billy, um, where he's telling her, you know, that the count's gone down and that there's less people kind of every time. And again, like my feelings about the clock, I thought it was really effective when um, she has the whiteboard that carries over from, I think in the miniseries yeah. as well, where she's like writing how many people, uh, you know, they've got in their fleet. And it, again, the numbers make it powerful rather than them talking about it her just writing the shit like that's their entire civilization yeah and it's just dwindling minute by minute yeah yeah i thought the number writing on the board is really effective especially at the end um which we can come back to when mm-hmm. we get there mm-hmm. uh, beat by beat yeah um but um yeah no i thought the board was really good feel yeah. like I'm disagreeing with everything you say. <laughs> <laughs> we can dis- I'm sure we will find things to disagree on. <laughs> um, actually, on something we'll probably disagree on. I really like the scenes between Ty and Adama. I know you don't like Ty, but I, I thought that um, this episode showed more of their relationship and their mutual trust for each other. Like, I really like the small moments that happen in this kind of first third of the um, episode where we're really seeing everyone trying to just deal with this 33-minute jump. Um, where, you know, Ty is, like, eating Adama's food because, like, you know, they're just chatting and then he lets them sleep when it's his go. But then they also disagree over things like um, Adama's decision to give the pilot stimulants to keep them awake and functioning to go out and um, protect the fleet when the Cylons jump in. Um, I thought that it shined a bit more on from the miniseries and maybe it's because we're getting into the series now, we're getting moments with the characters to actually sit with them. Um, but I, I liked Ty in this episode. I thought he was like, 
less of a dick. Really? <laughs> no, I still didn't like Ty. But I did like the intimacy between them. Um, I thought it was really good. I really... The um, true romance of the show. The true romance <laughs> of the show. Um, yeah, I really... Yeah, I love the intimacy between them. And I think that that's always a really um, positive thing to see. Um, you know, men doing stuff like that. I watched a series this week... Um, called brain dead mm. and it's really bizarre it's like a anyway it, it's very difficult to explain but there, there's basically an alien invasion and there were two men sharing a, a muesli bar and this guy pointed it out as a weird behavior he was like how, how often do you ever see two men like share a muesli bar like, <laughs> these guys are definitely aliens and yeah. i thought that was really interesting and so like that yeah. sharing the food thing it's like it's nice it's nice that you can see men you like, can share you can share noodles you can share noodles <laughs> it's okay you can share noodles yeah. with another man and still be a, a man so um, i really like the intimacy level but yeah i still didn't like ty in this episode he um yeah I will see. Maybe he'll grow and be better. <laughs> he'll get ya. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Adama decides to give the pilots, so the Viper pilots, um, these supplements or um, stimulants to keep them awake um, because they need the pilots to protect the fleet while the Cylons, once the Cylons catch up to them for the kind of three to five minutes before they're able to jump away and have all of the ships make that jump. So he basically tells... Um, Apollo that everyone needs to take them and then Apollo is obviously communicating that down to his team and Starbuck and Apollo have a disagreement about being told to take the stimulants where I thought this was a kind of an interesting scene I mean I think you pointed out last week they have like off the wall sexual chemistry yeah and so that was like you know rampant um but I found it like at first I found it really weird when she was like railing at him to like tell her to take the supplements like I just found that a weird argument but then I was kind of like the way that she's like, you know, they're like at each other's throats kind of. And then they like laugh and just dissolve into laughter. It really reminded me of like when you are really exhausted and you're like really annoyed about something or angry about something. And then you just realize it's like so fucking stupid. And you're just like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Like, I, that's what I read from that scene. I didn't really know if it was meant to be funny when she started. Like, I was very yeah, confused. Yeah, I was really confused too. Like, <laughs> were you doing this as a joke the whole time? Yeah. Or were you kind of, like, doing it and then realised how absurd it was that you were telling him to tell you what to do? I, I don't know. It was a bizarre scene and probably it was so a little bizarre. bit unnecessary. Yeah. Um, although, Except to show they've got sexual Yeah, tension. exactly. And maybe that's the thing. Like, I mean, obviously, we know that's the case. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think that there could be a broader conversation to be had about stimulants, and obviously, it's kind of like touched upon in the in the episode of people not being not wanting to have it. Mm. But um, I think that um, you know the ethics of that or whatever. Like, I I would love to just it, it makes me just want to go and like research whether or not they do do this in military situations. Yeah. And yeah, how common it is. Yeah, um, because it's just like from a psychological perspective, like very not good for you. So yeah, so um, Starbucks like technically right. But then she kind of doesn't give a shit anyway. And then I thought at the end when she was like swallowing the pill, I couldn't tell if she was like, haha, I'm not swallowing it. Like it like lingered on her a little bit. And like at first I thought they were setting up that she wasn't actually swallowing the pill, but I don't actually think that was either, either that went nowhere or it was just a weird shot. Well, then there was a weird thing with Tyrrell as well. He was yeah. looking at her and, and Oh, see, like, I oh, liked what? that. I like, felt like Tyrrell was like, guys. Thinking like, what we were all yeah, thinking. Yeah, I think Tyrrell was just <laughs> like, like, guys, you you're doing? like, obviously just like, want to fuck each other. Like, just it's fine. It. Just like, go do it. Like, you know, Boomer and I, we've been there. Like, yeah, I actually, and I actually really liked Tyrrell in this episode. Like, he was still really grumpy and annoying, but I feel like he proved his value in how he managed his team. Like, he He's been grumpy and annoying the whole time, right? Like, that's <laughs> his bar. character. Low bar. Low bar. But I felt like in this episode, he and I also maybe because I just liked the way he was like, oh, I know what's going on here. But I just kind of <laughs> liked that he still got everything done and yeah. his team were all being really whingy, like Callie was being a total whinger, which is fair. I would be appalling in those conditions. <laughs> but he was just like, you know what? Like, 29 minutes or whatever, like, come on, keep going. And I thought he... They just showed that he has a lot of value in on, on board the ship in this episode in kind of subtle ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one thing that maybe that could be illustrated by the whole Starbuck um, and uh, Apollo thing is um, that kind of uh, kind of this idea that we should come back to later when we're talking about themes and not the beat by beat because otherwise we'll mm. never get through it is kind of the masculine idea of um, of 
what a chain of command is as well in a mm. situation when everybody is tired and mm. what being a leader is mm-hmm. like you know he's trying to be supportive everybody's tired and she's kind of the one coming in being like no you need to enforce this this is like you're you're in charge you're not my friend don't be our friend and i thought that was really interesting and maybe that's what they were trying to illustrate with this kind of argument in mm. a weird mm. way mm. yeah true true um so while the stuff is going on about the um stimulants being pushed on the pilots from Adama, the fleet gets ready and then executes another jump. And when they jump this second time in this episode anyway, um, Juala notices that they're missing one of the civilian ships, the Olympic carrier. Um, And this is kind of a wrenching scene because she admits that she doesn't know if she missed accounting for it in the last count, in the last jump, or if it went missing in the immediate last jump. Um, And uh, like, I totally empathize with that because I think when you're that tired and like I I've had insomnia in the past um, and I know what it's like to just be you know you don't sleep at night and then you go to work and you always get it done like you always get what you need to get done but you just do not feel um, really awake and I can't even imagine what it would be like to have gone without sleep for that long it doesn't really seem like there's another person who does the job that she does um, but yeah she has to kind of say look I I don't know it's it could have been this, it could have been that. And then um, some of the other guys kind of say, look, it could have been this or it could have been me. And Adama basically like cuts them down and is just like, you know, if we make mistakes, people die, which is, you know, kind of mean, but also true. True. But yeah, <laughs> she's been 130 hour- hours without sleep. Yeah. And it doesn't really, you're right, it doesn't seem like anyone else is doing that job. And this was kind of frustrating to me because I'm like, it's been 130 hours, it's consistently happening. Mm-hmm. There are people on board, like, I mean, and maybe I'm wrong, but like, there are definitely civilians around, right, who probably mm-hmm. have like intelligent capabilities. Well, like Boomer talks about how her new co-pilot is like some yeah. from like a civilian or whatever. And so here's the thing, like bring people on from the mm. civilian ships, yeah. have them sit by you, like train them up to do this job and put people in shifts. Like it really frustrated me that there hadn't been some kind of mm. idea that maybe this isn't sustainable. And if it's on 33 minute loops, mm. like, and it's not going to end at some point, like, well, 11 days, mm. people will start to die and yeah. there are going to be mistakes made. So why are, why aren't these options being explored? And, you know, aside from this co-pilot situation, it doesn't really seem to me like it has. And no. this poor, like poor woman, like, you know, obviously going to make a mistake i mean how many jumps have they done like over 200 Hmm. and if in over 200 times you make one mistake like that's incredible Mm -hmm. uh so yeah i thought it was harsh i thought it was harsh like i understand where he's coming from and i think it developed quite nicely on from his the way that he took on roslyn's um feedback and her philosophy at the end of the miniseries where she was like we need to like keep everyone alive and then we need to like have babies and Mm. I think like his kind of tone of being like I think he said something like there aren't many of us left and he's right like there aren't and they're losing people and 1300 people is a lot of people to lose but at the same time you're right like she's just been yeah it was way harsh (laughs) um (laughs) so that happened way harsh (laughs) um so meanwhile on the colonial one obviously Roslyn's not very happy about that either um but while this is kind of going on and they're, um, they're reconciling with the fact that there's this ship that they've left at some point, um, Bolter has been... His, basically, his plot through this episode is that he's dropping in and out of these dreams of being on Caprica with Six and then hallucinating that she's on the ship either because of, like, he's delirious and tired or because of the, like, chip in his brain. She mentioned, like, as an aside mm. um, in the miniseries. Which, and they, like, he's the luckiest yeah. person on that flight. Yeah, like, he's right? just, like, out of that situation, <laughs> sex with a beautiful woman. Yeah. Like... Got his like nice place and his view and his like cup of tea. It's so luxurious there, isn't it? Did you see like the waitress in one scene? I was like, how is this? There was like someone serving them like tea, and I was like, this is all very like put together. Yeah, if I was in that situation, I'd totally want those delusions. Uh Like, just take me away, take me back. (laughs) Just lucky he doesn't have someone on the seat next to him because otherwise it would have been super creepy. He'd be holding hands with someone else. Yeah, he actually (laughs) the way that he placed his hand down without anybody there in our thing, you could tell he was holding someone's hand. I thought Mm. it was really good. It's just small moment but it's like the way that he did it is it, he wasn't just putting his hand down you could yeah. tell he was putting it on top of someone's hand that wasn't there so um i thought that was really um well done i think james callis who plays bolter is like one of the like it's easy to read him as one of the most um 
like visible characters in Battlestar and he is and he's also quite over the top but I think um James Callison as an actor does such a good job because it's those subtle things like you can read his character as just this bombastic kind of over the top person or you can kind of oh, look cuckoo. deeper yeah yeah which I thought was really cute I know I yeah. loved that moment and I love that someone else kind of called him being like yeah he's a weirdo because if you were sharing that cabin with him and he's like talking and parroting on in the corner you'd be like yeah you're you're a bit you know but I love that she says it like uh, it's uh, cute. the president yeah. says it in like a really nice way she's yeah. like oh he's kind of strange yeah and then and then Billy's just like like, yeah. Just quietly. yeah it's so it's um it's very cute um but yeah he has this kind of back and forth with six um and you know we saw this a bit in the miniseries i can spoiler alert for you that this goes on considerably <laughs> like the back and forth between them um throughout you know the series it's almost like i kind of read this as um almost like a meta narration of the action mm. like it's kind of weird because you're watching this action happen and then you've got Six and Bolter almost narrating the action with her taunting him with information and perspective, but then also having this like philosophical debate. Philosoph- yeah, she's really, it was heavy on the god this time. Yeah, that doesn't go away either. Wow, super interesting. <laughs> yeah. And we can talk a bit more about that. Yes, after. let's come back mm. to that discussion. But they have this kind of back and forth throughout the episode. Um, and anyway, she gives him this intel that um, this doctor who wants to speak to the president um, and has been talking about this traitor in their midst and. Um, midst and Bolter's obviously freaked out about this because he's like crap like he's on to me um and he knows this guy six then intervenes either in his dreams or hallucinations or however they have this you know communication and tells him that the olympic carrier has been infiltrated by cylons and that's why um you know it disappeared um and that's why even though at this point the olympic carrier is no longer in their midst they've had over the 33 minute count so they've just gone past this like threshold and haven't had to make a jump because the silence haven't appeared so he he gets this intel and then shortly after he gets this intel the olympic carrier appears again um and adama is a little bit suspicious about it and he tells him to reset the clock straight away yeah yeah like he's completely onto it i thought that was just like so clever of him (laughs) and I really like that the show lets him do that and the same with Roslyn like they let the leaders in the show act like leaders Mm. like they're not yes they have emotions and they make mistakes but they're allowed to be capable and they're allowed to act as like you would expect a military leader to act yeah there's some interesting stuff in here as well where he's like this is a military decision but then at the end Mm. he seems to just like be waiting for her say so yeah, um, yeah. with the Olympic character yeah, like, this agree. is a military decision and this is what we're doing and then at the end he's like do we do we sh- like shoot down this, um, yeah. this ship and, um, and and he's waiting for the president to say yes which I yeah thought was interesting and not consistent yeah there's an interesting dynamic between Adama and Roslyn that mm. continues to play out in this episode I think so um, yeah, so the Olympic carrier shows up, Adama sets the clock again, he's immediately suspicious, and he gets um, Apollo, Boomer, and um, Starbuck, who are still watching the fleet at this point, like doing the, the cover, I guess, um, to go and approach the um, Olympic carrier and try and get it to stop um, so that they can suss it all out, and it doesn't stop. And then they discover that it has nukes on board as well. Um, so, the, so Adama communicates all of this to Roslyn, and while he's communicating this, Um, Bolter has his little like hysterical fit um, which we can come back to because I love like this like back and forth between him and Six about him being logical but then he like has this like hysterical meltdown Mm. um, in front of like the president who is a woman yeah Um, and so he has this like meltdown and he's like you've got like you know it's been infiltrated by silence and again has no proof like this is the second time after the miniseries where he's like made a pretty sweeping statement that has no proof and Mm. people just like take it well, he's a genius but he's a genius yeah and uh you know Caprica's finest mind or whatever they said but I think because Adama is already suspicious and I think Roslyn is smart enough to be suspicious in these situations that they and the fact that there's the nukes on board um she Adama kind of talks about getting uh people off the ship and mm. then she makes the point that like well we don't know if the Cylons are tracking them via the ship or the people mm. and they decide that they need to um, destroy the ship and they order Starbuck and Boomer um, and Apollo to do it. But in the end, Apollo is the one that pulls the trigger. Yeah. Um, 
Wait, do they both pull the trigger or he, he goes first. first and then Starbuck follows? And I don't know if Boomer does. We kind of see her go like a bit weird about it, but then we we don't see if she actually pulls the trigger after Apollo and Starbuck action. Mm, my action. understanding was it's just Starbuck and Apollo. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, they pull the trigger, they destroy the Olympic carrier and their, um, their hypothesis is proven correct because they pull the trigger, they jump away and the Cylons do stop following them. And yeah. At the end of the episode, there's been this kind of longer break um, than they've had before that seems to affirm that, you know, the, um, the decision was the right one. Yeah. Um, and then there's two really nice scenes I think um, there's one where Adama and Apollo have this kind of nice moment where Adama says to Apollo, like he takes the responsibility and says, I gave the order and almost like being a, a dad to him, like wants him to absolve him of having mm. to shoulder the, like I blew up a ship with 1300 people on it. And then Apollo kind of throws it back to him by being like, I pulled the trigger. Um, I, I liked that scene. I thought it was like, didn't necessarily show re- reconciliation between the two of them, but it showed that they, have a mutual respect that I didn't think we've seen in the past. Yep. Um, and then Rosalind has this kind of a bit of a break. <laughs> I think like her first break um, this episode where Billy tells her that the count has risen instead of dropped because the baby was born on one of the ships and she goes up and changes the And she just looks so number. happy. She looks does. so nice. Yeah, I love Mary McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so that's a really – and it was a really nice note to kind of end the episode as well, I think. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think we – I – I feel that Rosalind is still very much our moral centerpiece of the series at this point, mm. um, and so I liked that that we they had we had that small moment with her, and we felt her kind of win as our own a little bit in a way that um, even though I liked the Adama Apollo scene, maybe it's a gender thing, I don't know, um, <laughs> that they had that moment together. It didn't like it wasn't as schmaltzy, but it also didn't like charm me as much. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I think it was just nice. It brought it back to like what they were um, trying to preserve and save. Mm. Um, Yeah, exactly. They were working towards the same outcome. Yeah. Cool. So that's, Wait, one more thing. Sorry, one we haven't talked thing. about. We forgot about how um, Hilo is stuck on Caprica. No, 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 because we finished Galactica and now we go to Caprica. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we covered <laughs> we covered the Galactica and Colonial One, I mm. think. We could have just said space and Caprica maybe <laughs> next time. Um, but, yes, back on Caprica. Meanwhile, back on Cylon Invested Caprica, uh, we have only a couple of short scenes uh, with Hilo. So just to catch so you yay, up. So Hilo's alive. Yay, he's alive. <laughs> he stayed back, you know, to let Bolter take his place because he's a lovely person. Mm. Um, and we basically see him having a terrible time running away from Cylons, like the conventional toaster ones, and um, suffering from radiation poisoning because of all the bombs. Um, so he's having a shit old time, and then he runs into a six. And I think it's important to call out that it's, this is his first... Um, Cylon that looks like a human interaction. So again, like we... That he knows about. That he knows about. Yeah. Yes. So So he doesn't know that Cylons can look like humans. No. So it's important to know that because, yeah, obviously Boomer is a Cylon. Yeah. And um, he doesn't know that and he thinks she's left. So, yeah, he he runs into this six... She does that weird, you know, are you alive thing again? And then, you know, gives him a kiss because that's how sixes say hello, apparently. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. Um, And then it's even more bizarre because as soon as she's like, are you real? She's like, oh, no, I know exactly who you are. Yeah. So it's like, why did you ask a question you know the answer to? Yeah. Um, Anyway, so she tells him she knows exactly who he is. And I think that was still kind of a creepy moment. And he's kind of like, oh, are you a robot? What is going on? And then um, Boomer shows up, like, shoots the six and helps Hilo get away. And he's just like, whoa, like, what are you doing here? And she's like, let's go, mister, or something really kind of, like, hokey. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, this is not Boomer, like, original Cylon Boomer, because we know original Cylon Boomer is, like, at this time on that ship. Yeah. So this is a new Boomer. And this will be really interesting to see. And I'm like, it was hard because I was like, oh, I really want to watch episode two, Mm -hmm. but I can't watch it until I, you know, no spoilers. Like I need to like just be one at a time. So Mm -hmm. I just watched it three times to make up for the fact (laughs) that I couldn't watch number two. But um, I really want to see how she plays this, like how Mm. she explains why she's there, how she explains that she could just shoot number six. Because if number six is a human and it's a human Cylon battle, but then it wouldn't be in her interest to tell him Mm. that Cylons can look like humans Mm. unless she doesn't know she's a Cylon. So it's a very confusing, like I'm going to be interested to see how they play this. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think like it sets up a much more interesting dynamic in our understanding of 
Cylons, human Cylons, than at the moment we've seen like four, I think four or five different sixes. We've like got the one that talks to Bolter, yep. the one that was at the um, opening scene, the opening scene, the one that was at the anchorage that showed up. Well, there were like a few sixes that yeah. showed up then, and these ones, the two they were wearing white jackets in rain. Yeah, yeah. well, obviously you know, they're not human. Silence don't care about fashion. <laughs> um, and then there's the two that are on Caprica, the one that gets shot, and then the other one that shows up and gives like an enigmatic look mm. as they run away. Um, and the fact that the the six that said to Hilo that a six said to Hilo. I know who you are, like, I know everything about you, would suggest that Cylons have either, like, some central knowledge Oh, yeah, I think that's indicated um, Um, earlier. But then it's like, does this new boomer, is she, like, woke, so to speak? Like, does she realise? Does she realise she is a Cylon? Or is she, like, a sleeper agent? Does she think she's the one that came off the ship? Like, to your point, how deep does the level of mm, conspiracy go? Yeah, it's really interesting to... um to think about um and obviously i mean it's it's sort of weird because we don't know if this like chip in his head of Volta, mm. like mm. It, if it's that if they have communication with the mainframe and if mm-hmm. or, like if there's a central intelligence mm-hmm. and it's like the matrix do, like, all plugged then, in yeah yeah and if they do if she does then like obviously she knows where they are mm. so then that's a whole other interesting concept and like Anyway, interesting to see yeah. where that goes. Oh, I'm, I'm actually really excited to revisit this like from a um, re-watching perspective as well. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's where we get to with the um, action and the beat by beat in this episode. Um, we wanted to talk about a few different things. Do you want to chat through some of your thoughts around the themes of this episode? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the main one that um, I picked up on, obviously, and, and I guess this will go uh throughout the whole sort of like series you've Mm, indicated mm -hmm. is religion Mm -hmm. um which i just think is a very very bizarre um bizarre (laughs) uh like concept it's interesting to to watch a show lean into this so much so much because like if you think about like one of the critics well not criticisms but one thing that's always said about like joss whedon in Mm -hmm. in his series is he doesn't ever ever do theology or like if mm-hmm. he does it just doesn't make any sense at all and this show is just like so heavy on it it's mm-hmm. Lays very it on different thick. for me so thick and yeah. it's so bizarre for me and then there was a line and I don't remember if it was in the miniseries or this one um, where it kind of even felt like number six was saying that humans were God and that's mm-hmm. a really interesting concept to me but like you know this idea of repenting mm-hmm. and that's going to make things happen and at the end how he's like I repent yeah, like he yeah. has this almost like yeah, like uh, awakening or um, spiritual, and do you think, like though, born again moment. Knowing him, like no oh, Volta, it could be complete bullshit. Total bullshit. Yeah. Um, then there's this um, this Billy comment of thanking the gods, and Bolsa yeah. saying God's got nothing to do with yes, it. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. And then this idea of procreation, like yes, I love that they have like a couple fight about kids. Like, <laughs> like he's like, I don't want kids, and she's like, um, they're God's gift. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> but how? Yeah, there's no God. Yeah, and also, but you're not even real. Like, you're not even a human. You are a robot. And you're actually at this point in my head. So, like, what's going on? Like, how is this going to be? There's so many levels of, yeah, of weird. Don't understand. So, I thought the Mm. the religion thing was really interesting. And um, I'll be interested to see how it plays out. And yeah, I'm aware that you can't give spoilers. So, that makes it really hard for me. I'm feeling very impatient. I'm glad I waited for this podcast or I probably would have binged this all <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, the re- I'm glad that you're like okay with the religious tone because I, I know that it was a criticism of the original series and I have had like people say like that they found this series quite overtly religious. But I don't – I actually think in this episode it, it – it's it leans into religion heavily but what i really liked is that you have six fulfilling this kind of you know femininity equals emotion and then um bolter fulfilling this like masculinity equals logical argument and they Mm. have this tete-a-tete where he's like i'm logical i'm a scientist logic says there's no god and she's like i've got faith this is this thing i know that even though at the end of the day she is a robot Mm. and he is a human and so it's like this weird I think it just subverted the idea of like, if you're female, you're by default emotional over mm. logical in a really interesting way because I think about she's it like, like that. Yeah. I don't categorize those things into femininity and masculinity at all. So I think that I like in my mind yeah. didn't even see that relationship. But you're probably right. It's an interesting way to look at it. I just found it interesting more than anything because I think the way that the show 
sets six up is that like she's kind of taunting him with this stuff Mm. like she's like i know more than you do Mm. and then instead of and and he's like almost being like emasculated by this because Mm. he's saying that he's like logical and there's no god and blah 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 but then it's kind of getting more and more like you know he gets given this information again from her that sets in motion um, a way for him to not be proven guilty, but also that ha- like helps the greater good. And he's kind of saying, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways and like, uh, you know, serendipitous ways even. And she's like, nah, like you got this because like God's looking out for you or whatever. But then it's kind of like, he can take it away. Like it was very fickle. Yeah, absolutely. But it's kind of taunting him. And I feel like that was a really interesting way to interpret, to, to um, introduce religion through a robot's but robots that are like deeply religious and believe in this kind of more fundamental way that religion affects how you live a life. Which is an interesting concept in itself. Like to me, the thing that's been always a little bit um, absurd about the way that religion is expressed through a lot of the kind of religions that exist, mm. not in like not pointing to it any in, in specific, specific oh, I've lost that word. <laughs> not pointing to it any specifically, but um I think it's really interesting how much people seem to think that an all knowing God would care about the very intimate details of your life. Mm-hmm. So something like Gaius repenting, meaning that God would change the entire course. Mm-hmm. Um, or something like procreation, either mm-hmm. angering or like making God happy. Like that's always been the thing it's something that really I've never understood. Um, from like an omnipotent being Mm. Um, so I think that's really an interesting way of looking at it Um, and the masculine feminine one is also yeah I didn't really think about him being emasculated or well I just love at the end like he spends so much of this episode saying he's the logical and rational one and that you know he's (laughs) and then he repents yeah and then he not only repents but has this like hysterical outburst where he's like we have to get rid of that ship like it's like so intense and it's kind of hilarious because I'm sure you know we like I don't want to like play this card or anything but you know I'm sure you've had feedback in the past of someone hysterical. said, don't be so emotional, yeah. don't be hysterical. And he's, the one and he's kind of saying that, not yeah. to her, but he's kind of saying religion is hysterics. Like yeah. it's not, it's, you're just being emotional. Like there's no proof of that. And then he actually gets not only emotional and has this outburst, but then yeah, has this like, I repent. Like I'm, 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 you know, I'm changing my entire opinion. I Which, also, yeah, yeah. Whether or not you call bullshit on that. Well, I call bullshit, but also I love that um, she <laughs> makes that comment like, oh, I didn't know you could multitask like this mm. when he's like, st- like juggling both the conversations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was really great. And you know, if we're talking about masculine and feminine, like uh, stereotypes, so that's mm-hmm. really, really one of them. But I mean, I think masculinity is a really interesting concept in this episode um overall uh and um i mean we talked a little bit about the way that the hierarchy works in military organizations and um it really made me think about these you know comments like oh well if you if you don't hate the ceo like that's you know you're doing your job wrong um and we're not here to be their friend and like Mm. that kind of way of management that's really like prevalent in the episode um of the military um kind of personnel and i think that's a really interesting thing to explore as well um because there is a sort of idea in our work cultures and in military culture of like hierarchy and not questioning authority which obviously Mm -hmm. starbuck questions authority um, when they're trying to shoot down the um, the ship, mm-hmm. um, but also just this idea of pushing people to the limits, um, which like I just for me like there are so many things that could have been done um, to try to like you know make it less of a stress on people. Mm. This thirty three minute thing. So yeah, I mean I don't know if you looked at that in your kind of explorations of masculine and feminine in the series, but uh, in the episode, but I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was interesting how. Um you have like, yeah, Adama and Ty really holding down the fort at Galactica of, um, and, and Apollo to an extent of being these kind of typical military leaders. Oh, you know, was kind of, and like, this is what Starbuck was talking about. He was kind of trying to be, he was trying to be a pal yeah. as well. And I think she re- rebuffed that and was like, you can't be my pal and tell me to like take a pill. I don't want to take mm. kind of thing. But then if you, um, I mean, granted, she didn't really have to do as much in, like, leading this episode, but if you contrast that with, like, Rosalyn and, like, how she, um, even, like, how she kind of sits amongst the people and, like, you know, Bolter can just, like, stroll over and, like, give his opinion and she, you know, immediately wanted to talk to the doctor and she kind of courts and brings in opinions, whereas, mm. like, 
um, it's like inclusive, I suppose, whereas I feel like the hierarchical and the military perspective, just by default, is to not be like inclusive. Yeah, to be like, and this even is Adama's, the executive this decision is the, yeah, the absolutely. Good. And Adama does, does say that to her, as I said earlier. He mm. says, like, this is a military decision. Uh, and, and it isn't until later in the episode when he actually gets her to okay the, you know, mm-hmm. the kill strike. But, um, yeah, that very hierarchical structure I thought was really interesting and just mm. watching how that goes. And, I mean, there's been a lot of um, talk and, like, obviously it was Anzac Day in Australia recently, mm-hmm. which is a day where we honour our military, which we don't really do ever in mm. Australia. I mean, being in the US recently, seeing that over there like every basketball yeah. game every time you met someone who was a veteran everybody mm. is like really thanking them and it doesn't really happen here um and there i've read a couple of articles by young veterans about kind of being pushed to the limits um and, and the difference it has coming back uh mm-hmm. into normal life in australia and and sort of all of that and um it's really interesting to see that military culture and how it's sort of like people push themselves so far mm. that they end up hurting themselves or mm. you know becoming really um you know traumatized and whatnot and to see that happen here in this environment it, i mean i guess it's probably just because i happened to watch it in anzac week when i was mm-hmm. thinking about veterans mm-hmm. but it was really interesting to see that kind of masculine military culture demonstrated on screen yeah that it still has a lot of um relevance and, and occurrence mm. in contemporary culture it's not just something that exists because it is a stereotype of mm. the military no definitely and um you know I've, I've got friends who are veterans and it's definitely like that and the adjustment mm. back into real life is mm. difficult mm. um yeah i think that's all that i i was mostly interested in um yeah the the argument and the tete-a-tete between you know bolter and six um this episode i thought it was really interesting and yeah i really liked watching how the different crew um struggled with not only sleep deprivation and having this physical weight but carrying this emotional and psychological weight of losing you know their entire civilization many of them not knowing if they have any family alive um and then being expected to to your point perform military duties that are going to continue to be as demanding as they are Mm, there's no out for them yeah, the other thing that I, I noticed in this episode was um, this idea of what the right choice was. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously at the end, that's kind of how we end, uh, is this, um, you know, adding the number to the list mm-hmm. and, oh, we made the right choice because mm-hmm. this baby was born. It's justified. It's yeah. justified. And I think that that was a really interesting um, insight into the sort of, um, I mean, this is an idea that's prevalent in war. It's like, you know, the the strike the one say the few to say the many mm-hmm. um kind of idea which i think that people often have to grapple with mm. um and you know they've explored this on other tv shows mm. um uh, a lot you know the west wing does it mm-hmm. quite a bit and i think it was a really interesting conversation as well around what the right choice was and obviously they indicated that it was the right choice and mm. you know in my opinion probably was the right choice but it's like the trolley situation mm. mm-hmm. you know, the one of the four and mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting. And I think that sets up from the beginning that this is a show. I mean, we saw it a little bit in the miniseries, but now we're into like the, the meat of, you know, the main series, um, that this is not going to be a sci-fi show that's about like shooting robots. Mm. It's going to be a sci-fi show about having to make military decisions yeah. and govern people. Yeah, which I think is really interesting and just a great, um, a great thing to watch. So... I think that's pretty much covering most of the themes that I saw. Yep. yep. Um, and um, I think we should talk a little bit about Frack. Yeah, introduction to Frack this episode. <laughs> oh, well, they, they did the miniseries as well. Which oh, is yeah, so, we like, missed underrated. it, didn't we? We yeah. definitely forgot yeah. to say it. We, we, we had... We had uh, we were we're, steering, we're fully steering into geek territory now with Frack <laughs> because, you know, people may know it's the um, four-letter word substitute in the Battlestar Galactica universe, probably because Sci-Fi Channel wanted a show that would be able to be watched by more people that didn't have you know the amount of swearing that people would realistically swear in these situations <laughs> um but yes frack it's there starbucks says it the most we should probably have like a frack count that would be kind of fun i think frack count would be good we have to go back in um, yeah maybe and we'll count those. retroactively do it for this episode yeah absolutely <laughs> um i i thought it was really interesting so this week i actually was um finishing up season eight of Buffy, which is a comic <laughs> series. First and, time, obviously. Well, it was. It was actually my first oh, time watching comic. season eight. Oh, oh, because right. I've had it for ages and I just had never got around to watching it, which is, I feel like a terrible Buffy fan, but they actually say frack in season eight of Buffy. So in the comic series, they say it as a tribute to Battlestar Galactica. Um, so obviously Joss Whedon and, and you know, yeah, the, the creators of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, there's some mutual love. Oh, absolutely. It's just like having a little bit of uh, 
love for each other. So I thought that was really cool and I heard it and then I immediately looked it up to see if that's yes. why they said it. So that was really great. It is so. funny because like, you know, frack is like one of those things that people who know, people who watch Battlestar Galactica, it's like that nerd culture thing where it's really like, haha, like, you know what that means. But then I would argue that even um, that frack has become so like associated with um, Battlestar Galactica and kind of sci-fi culture in general, that it's become like, you know it's become a cultural reference in and of itself mm. like one of my favorite comedy shows 30 rock have you ever watched oh, 30 I rock love 30 rock yeah there's yeah. like this plot um with some hayek in it and at one point she's just wearing a t-shirt that says what the frack <laughs> and it's like not really ever explained like you obviously you know if you know what frack means yeah but it's way funnier well, i watch all just of 30 wearing, rock and yeah. i never yeah. noticed that yeah so. it's just like <laughs> this one scene she's wearing a t-shirt that's like what the frack and yeah. i was like oh my god i love that and yeah. i'm sure like every geek also thought that yeah but you know it's um it's a great reference and so i think we know yeah. tina fey watches battle Galactica. yeah <laughs> you know she's a fan um <laughs> yeah so there were there's frack we're going to get a frack count going and i also think that we should do a cylon watch every week okay because you know there are 12 cylon models oh remember okay. the note i feel like you're in a little bit of a uh an advantage here though because you don't know who they are before i no, <laughs> i want you i want you i like we will take stock in them so yeah. like at the moment with this week there were only two Cylons. Yeah. Like humanoid episode, Cylons, yeah. not the toasters. Yeah. yeah. So yes, there was Boomer, multiple Boomers, and multiple Sixes. Mm. Um do you have any thoughts on like what the Cylon plans might be for the fake Boomer Cylon and Hilo? No, none at all. I was just so <laughs> um I'm so interested to see how she explains this. Yeah. <laughs> that was my main thought. I was like, how is this like I can understand how she could explain how she was there like could, hand wave it away yeah, like, like oh, oh no i came back to find you and yeah. you know blah 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 but i can't understand how she's going to justify that she shot six and that she knew yeah like i mean maybe because like at this point it's really a robot human war and i just can't see how there would be a justification that hmm. you would be shooting a human when mm-hmm. obviously the human casualties would be so high so i'm really interested to see how hmm. that goes down mm-hmm. um but yeah aside from that nope no idea but um i'm really looking forward to watching episode two i may mm-hmm. go do that now mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the rest of my day um but yeah it was really yeah i'm really interested to see where it goes it's a good episode for sure mm. it's a strong um a strong opener absolutely and i think it's really good i think the mini series really took away like if you look at a lot of first episodes of series mm-hmm. they're often in two parts and the first part mm-hmm. is really setting up the character development mm-hmm. i think the fact that they don't have to do that makes it such oh, a strong episode such a breath of fresh air because they just yep. go right in yeah um and i like that they didn't feel the need to show it from the beginning of the 33 mm-hmm. so it's like they didn't show that whole process of working nah, it out they just throw you right they into just throw it. you right into it 130 hours in or whatever and i think that's i think that's really great and really strong yeah i agree i um yeah i really love this episode so i think we'll leave it there for this week absolutely um we will check in again next week when we cover the second episode of the first series called water so wonder what that will be about <laughs> <laughs> see you next week bye